a little girl was praying. Um, her mother happened to be listening in. Her brother trapped rabbits to make extra money. This was back in the day when you ate rabbits for food and you sold the pellets and uh, the pallets and, and uh, made money. And so that was a source of income for that young boy. But the sister didn't like the fact that he trapped these rabbits. And so she was praying one night, and her mother overheard her prayer. Lord, help my brother to quit trapping rabbits. I know you will. I know he's not going to get any more rabbits. The mom overheard the prayer, and she came and she said, How do you know that he's not going to get any more rabbits? She said, Because I sprung all his traps. And you know, sometimes that's, that's, we're all guilty of being like that when we pray. Sometimes we pray, but we think we got to help God. And so we do something that we know is not right, uh, trying to manipulate the situation to go so we get the blessing that we want. And perhaps sometimes that even takes a blessing away from someone else. You know, we all want the blessed life, don't we? We want God to work in our lives and, and to bless us all kinds of ways. We're beginning a series today, and it's called Spiritual Blessings. And through this, we're going to talk today about how God blesses us, the many ways that He blesses us. But we're also, uh, over the next weeks, we're going to talk about next week, Thanksgiving, how we should be in Thanksgiving for what God has done. And then the week after that, we'll talk about uh, how we can be a blessing to God and to other people. But today we're going to focus on this idea of God blessing us. And I raise the question, how does God extend to us the blessed life? I think that starts by understanding what the word blessed or blessing means. It is the act of wishing favor or goodness on another or giving them something to value or something that enhances their life. Now, it's not just God that blesses. We can bless uh, God or we can bless other people too. You know, it, it carries with it that idea of having the happy life. But it's a godly happiness. It's a spiritual happiness that we have from being blessed. Most all of us would desire to be blessed by God. And God does bless in many ways. And so today we're going to think about some of those ways. I'd like for you, if you have your Bible, to turn to Psalm chapter 1. Very first uh, uh, psalm in your Bible, page 431 in the Pew Bible. And you know, the psalms are a collection of hymns. They were put together back in ancient days in B.C. times. Uh, many of those were written by King David, so it was after his life, sometimes after 1000 B.C. And, and these are put together. They're part of what what we call the wisdom literature or the Old Testament poetry books. The ancients used to just call them the writings. It includes Job's and Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. There are over 150 of these Psalms in our Bible. They're written in Hebrew poetry. 73 of those are attributed to King David. But this first Psalm, Psalm 1, has no author listed. But it opens up the book of Psalms with this idea of the blessed life. So let's read Psalm number 1, beginning at verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked 
or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on him day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So he begins with this idea of how the blessed person does not live. They, they don't live as wicked. They don't live as sinners. They don't hang out with those who mock God. These are the ungodly people. But here's what the blessed life does. Here's what they do. Notice it begins, blessed is the one. And then verse 2 says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on him, on his law, day and night. You see, the blessed person delves in to the word of God. And when they do, they begin to learn the ways of God and how God blesses lives. You know, in that day, they just had the Old Testament. New Testament hadn't been written yet. They didn't even have all of the Old Testament when this was first put together. Uh, many, especially of the prophets, had not been written yet. But the first thing I want you to see is that God guides. He guides. When we talk about the law, as it mentions here, it's talking about the Word of God, that Bible that they had in that day. Um, psalm 119 is another psalm that talks about the Bible or the Word of God. It calls it many things in that psalm. It calls it His statues, His law, His ways, His decrees, His commands, His Word, um, his, his precepts. But it's all referring to God's Word to mankind. Um, that psalm, too, begins with this idea of being blessed. In fact, Psalm 119, verse 1 says, Blessed are those who walk according to the law of the Lord. That is, they live life's journey the way that God calls them to live. Psalm 119 is also the longest of all the Psalms. It uses the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet as an acrostic, and each word, each stanza begins with one of those letters, a word that begins with one of those letters. And each sub subsequent uh, verse begins with the next letter of the alphabet. Psalm 119, verse 105, gets way on up into the psalm, but it's one of the most uh, prominent of all the verses out of that psalm. And it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You know, the word was given to us to help us to know God and to help us see God's guiding hand along our way in life. You know, God wants to guide you. Whether it's good times or bad, God wants to lead you through this life the way that He would have you go. There's a songwriter. He wrote worship songs. He leads worship. Uh, his name is Brian D Dorkerson. 
And he had a son. His name was Isaiah. But Isaiah was born with fragile X syndrome. It's a genetic condition which results in physical, intellectual, emotional, and behavioral limitations. He shares this story in his book, Make Love, Make War. And Brian reflects on the day when he found out his son had this condition. He said he was angry. He considered even turning away from being a Christian worship leader and Christian songwriter. And he, he says, but he, after he received the test results, this is his word. I stumbled around our property, weeping, confused, broken. At one point, I lifted my voice to heaven, and I handed in my resignation. God, I'm through being a worship leader and a songwriter. But he said eventually he calmed down, and he began to read the Word of God and listen for God's voice. And he said God spoke to him that day. I sensed God holding out his hand and inviting me. Will you trust me? Will you go even with your broken heart? For who will relate to my people who are brokenhearted if not those like you who are acquainted with disappointment? He said, after reflecting on God's word a little further, I used to think people were blessed by our great victories. But now I know definitely people are just longing to hear others speak of how they have walked through the deepest valleys. The world lifts up the victorious and the successful, but God lifts up the brokenhearted. You know, Brian went on to have another son who had that same syndrome. He also had four girls who were, did not have that syndrome, and he raised all of those in a Christian family. He also went on to be one of the great worship leaders. He led worship at two very large churches, and he's written many songs that have been published and some that have even won awards from the Gospel Music Association. So God used Brian in the midst of his trouble. He guided Brian in the way he should go. And God, God wants to guide you. Whether in good times or bad, God guides. If you seek his guidance, you will find it. That's just one way that God blesses us. Now verse 3 says this, that person, talking about the blessed one, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I want you to see secondly that God provides. God guides and God provides. You know, he provides everything a tree needs to produce the fruit that it was designed to, pr to produce. You know, a tree needs water and nutrients from the ground. And a tree that's planted by a stream is especially blessed because the, the, the banks of that stream are especially fertile ground. Those of us who have placed our faith in God stand on fertile ground. Fertile ground that God wants to work in our lives and use us and promises to provide for all the needs that we have. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God said that he had plans to prosper his people. 
especially those that would seek him with all their heart. Now, prosper doesn't mean he's going to make you independently wealthy. The word prosper simply means that you're going to have more than enough. It doesn't mean that God will make us all millionaires. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. 1 Timothy 6.1 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God didn't promise to make you independently wealthy, but He does promise, if you hope in Him and not in wealth, that He will provide for your needs. God desires for us to have a joyful life. That doesn't mean we don't have to work for it either. Again, in Jeremiah chapter 29, God wrote this chapter to His people when they were being carried off into exile into Babylon. Their city had been destroyed and they were being taken away. And in this letter that God writes through Jeremiah, listen to what He says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I've carried off into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it to be, uh, to, for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You hear what God's saying? In the midst of all their trouble of being carried into exile, He says, go to work. Raise your family. Contribute it to the good of the community that I've put you in. And do the things that you know that I've called you to do. Go about your life. Seek good for others. And do things that God teaches you. And God will bless your life with all that you need. Maybe it's not all you desire, but it's all you need. I heard about a man that was troubled. He was a very wealthy man. And he decided he needed to get away. And he found out about this monastery where he could go and stay for a week and read the Bible and pray to God and just be in isolation, be away from all the troubles of the world. And so he went to stay there, and he was being escorted to the room where he was to stay by the lead monk at this monastery. When he got to the room, the lead monk said to him, I hope you have a blessed stay while you're here. And by the way, if you happen to need anything while you're here, just ask, and we'll show you how to get along without it. You know, we often think that there are things that we just can't give along without. That's because we're so accustomed to having this blessed life where we have way more than what we need. God never promised you any more than a, than a prosperous life where you have all that you need. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, the Scripture says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, 
you will abound in every good work. Charlie and Allison Rich were going to graduate school. They were poor students. They had an old beat-up Nissan truck, and that's about the only thing that they owned other than their clothes and a little bit of furniture. But they were preparing to start graduate school. <clears throat> it was summertime, and they had decided before they started graduate school, they needed a couple of things. One, they needed a new computer. Their old laptop was about to die. And so they had asked Allison's family, instead of giving birthday gifts, if they would just give money, and she would total all that money up to, to buy a new laptop that they could use to get through graduate school. The family blessed them generously with $720. They also knew that they needed to make a trip just to get away before they started graduate school because they were going to be nose to the grindstone, studying and going to class. And so they planned a trip to stay with some friends. They wouldn't have to pay any money for, for a hotel or for food or anything. They just needed the gas to get there. But the day before they were to go, their truck broke down. And so now, what were they to do? Well, they found a family member who loaned them a car, and they went on their trip. While they were on that trip, Allison was having coffee with one of her friends, and she told about the money that she had to buy the new laptop, and she said, we're so blessed because we really need that laptop, but we're worried now about how we're going to pay to get our truck fixed. Well, the friend popped up and said, I just got a new computer. You can have my old laptop, which was in great shape, even better than the old laptop that Allison had had before. And so Allison, that just kind of went through her because she had planned on getting this shiny, new, bright laptop, and she didn't even think about it. She said, no, I've got the money to buy a new one. Later on, Allison and Charlie were talking, how are we going to pay for our truck? Well, she got a phone call. Allison got a phone call. And the mechanic said, I can fix your truck. Here's how much it's going to cost. Allison wrote it down and went back to discussing with Charlie how they were going to pay for it. As they talked on, Allison began to realize, you know what? I could take the laptop from my friend and use the money to pay for my truck at $720. And Charlie said, well, how much did he tell you the bill was going to be for the truck. Allison looked back down at the paper, didn't even realize what she had written down. The number 720 was staring back at her off of the paper. You see, God doesn't always provide exactly what you want, but He provides what you need. She was able to take that used laptop and was plenty good enough for her schoolwork and had the money to get her truck fixed. God provides. If you look for that provision, you will see it. God guides. If you look for that guidance, you will find it. But you know, not everybody gets God's provision and God's guidance. It's not automatic to the whole world. Psalm 84, 12 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in you, God. Here, in our psalm, verse 4, Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. 
You know, we're all guilty of wickedness, of sin. We all fall short of being worthy of God's blessing. But there is good news that God wants to bless the righteous. It says here that He won't bless the unrighteous, but the converse of that is true, that He will bless the righteous. So what I want you to see thirdly is that God forgives. He forgives. That's a third blessing. He guides, He provides, and He forgives. And that's something that we all need. And the key to getting the guidance and the provision is to first receive the forgiveness. You know, before you get His forgiveness, you have to admit that you need forgiveness. You have to admit, Lord, I've fallen short. I'm not what you want me to be. I'm not what you desire. I've fallen. I've missed the mark. And we have to be repentant. We have to go before Him admitting, I'm sorry. I've been going my way. And Lord, now I want to go your way. I've been trusting in me, and now I want to trust in you. The whole point of baptism is we go down into the water, we're dying to that old self. And our sins in that watery grave, we're dead to sin, and we're raised back to a new life, committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we place all of our trust in Him to guide our lives and to provide for us along the way. And God restores us. To a relationship. Pastor Greg Boyle works in East Los Angeles, a place that is just filled with gangs. There's a lot of violence there. And many of those gang members wear tattoos, such as the ones you see up on the screen. These tattoos signify that they belong to that gang, that they're part of these evil groups that do bad things to people and steal and rob and sell drugs. But oftentimes there are gang members that want to get out of that lifestyle. They grow up, they mature, they realize it's wrong and they want to get away from it. That tattoo is a symbol that you belong to that gang. And sometimes even that if you try to leave, those gangs will put you to death. So often when gang members do escape, they're looking for a way to get rid of that tattoo that symbolizes that they belong to that gang. Greg Boyle says he started a ministry. He found some physicians that knew how to use a laser to remove those tattoos. And so he put together this group of physicians that would remove these tattoos from gang members that wanted to get out of that lifestyle. Often they couldn't get jobs if they had those or they couldn't get promotion because they had those tattoos. And many of them, their lives were changed because they got that tattoo removed from their life. You know, the truth is, we all go through life with the tattoo of sin on our lives. And we all need a way to remove that. And God wants to remove it. But it only happens through committing your life to Jesus Christ and letting His blood wash that sin tattoo away. Lee Strobel said there was a little girl in his church one time that got caught stealing a book from the church bookstore. The father wanted the little girl to meet with Lee and Lee to represent the church in handing out her discipline. 
He wanted her to be disciplined so that this wouldn't happen again. So Lee met with the family. The little girl's head was hanging low. She had tears coming out of her eyes. Lee very calmly said, tell me what happened. She said, I was in the bookstore through her sobs. I saw a book that I really wanted, but I knew I didn't have any money. And so I took the book and put it inside my coat and walked out of the bookstore, but then I got caught. I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway. I couldn't overcome the temptation. Lee said, I understand the book costs $5. She said, yes, it did. Lee said, well, I think you ought to pay the $5 back plus a penalty, let's say four times the $5. So I think you ought to pay back $20. How do you feel about that punishment? The little girl again sobbing said, I, I think it's fair. The only problem is I don't have $20, and at my age I don't know how I'll ever get $20. Lee said he looked at the little sobbing girl, obviously repentant, and he reached in his desk drawer and pulled out his checkbook and wrote out a check to this little girl for $20. He tore it out of the checkbook and showed it to her, and he said, I want to give you this check to pay your fine. She again sobbing said, why would you do that? And he said, because I love you and I want you to get on the right path. You're obviously repentant and now I want to help you begin your new life and your new journey. You know what? Every one of us has taken that book. Maybe it wasn't a book. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was another sin. But there's one who paid the penalty for our punishment. His name is Jesus. And if you will receive his payment, his death on the cross, you will find the blessed life and the forgiveness that he wants to give. And then you will begin to see him guide and him provide for your life as you go through on your journey through this world. Well, the psalm closes, verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, we can only be declared righteous by the blood of Jesus. And so if we receive him, we're part of these righteous that God watches over. And here's our connection. God blesses those who seek him. You know, if you want the blessed life, it begins with God. And it begins with getting to know Him and to understand Him through the person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 said, He, Jesus, is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. John Piper, in his book, A Sweet and Bitter Providence, offers these thoughts. Life is not a straight line leading from one blessing to the next and then finally to heaven. Life is a winding and troubled road, switchback after switchback. And the point of biblical stories like Joseph and Job and Esther and Ruth is to help us feel in our bones, not just in our heads, that God is for us in all these strange terms. God is not just showing up after the trouble and cleaning it up. 
He is plotting the course and managing the troubles with far-reaching purposes for our good and for the glory of Jesus Christ. God blesses those that seek Him. He guides, He provides, and He forgives. And these blessings all come to the people that seek Him through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your blessings. It's a time of year, Lord, when the harvest is coming in and, and for most places it's over with. and People have been blessed abundantly. It's a time of year when we turn our attention to you. We begin to think about the many ways that you have blessed us. And these are some of the most important. Lord, that you do want to guide us as we seek in your word. That you do want to provide for us as we look and see how you work that you do want to forgive us for the many shortcomings that we have. And as we receive all that, we know that you alone are God of the universe. For that, we are grateful, and for that, we give thanks. In Jesus' name, I pray and praise. Amen.